Vicky. I'm going to be teaching this morning. It's great to see everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to continue in our series called the I Am series. Um, so in college, I was a communication studies major. And what that meant was that um, I learned how to tell stories, right? Because everything about communications is storytelling. Um, it is all about uh, how to spin a narrative, right? So I was interested in advertising, which is why I did communication studies. And it, uh, so like people in advertising are trying to figure out how to make you buy this specific toothpaste you know, even though there's like 20 different toothpastes that all do exactly the same thing, how to get you to pay $4 for this new toothpaste. And they spin this narrative and this ad, this commercial that basically promises that if you buy this toothpaste, you're going to be likable and everyone's going to like want to be your friend, you know? And so based off of that story, then people will now want to throw away their perfectly fine toothpaste and buy this new toothpaste or, um, at that time when I was studying communications, we were just starting in reality TV. And so the idea of like how you take 20 hours of normal footage of normal people doing really boring everyday stuff and how you use editing to create drama and create a story out of nothing, you know? And so I know that some of us are really into reality TV, but as real as it is, it's not, right? Like it's all editing and they're trying to spin a certain kind of narrative. I took a class on political um, communications and it was all about how do you um, make a candidate look smart or like patriotic and how you make sure that you take a, a picture of the candidate in front of like a library with a bunch of books. And then it just tells your brain as you're looking at that picture that that candidate clearly read all those books and is very smart, you know, or if you want him to be patriotic, then you take a picture of him in front of a bunch of flags or an eagle or in front of the White House or whatever. And so um, it was very informative, but it also made me a very skeptical consumer. It made me uh, not trust the message, right? Like everything is up for interpretation. Everything is trying to be sold or um, get you to see things in a certain way because there are spin doctors who are you know, paid a lot of money to do that. And that was almost 25 years ago when Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff wasn't happening. And now with all the social media, with YouTube and Twitter and everything, there are more messages and data to filter through. Fake news has become like a normal terminology in these last four years. We have a president that takes the truth with liberties, right? And um, we have a growing division in our country on which side where they both think that they are right and they have the truth and they have their own news sources where they um, rely on that truth, right? People don't know what to believe anymore and whether or not truth is just this vague or utopian concept. Truth has become very unreliable. And, you know, truth is not just about facts, right? It is much more about the source. Like, can I trust this news source or this newspaper to really tell me the truth? Is it a good source of truth for me, you know? Or can I believe this person to be trustworthy? Can I believe this to be truth because I trust the source? And the problem is that we don't know who to trust because everyone is trying to get us to buy their product or get our endorsement or have us like them more. 
You know, our sources are not trustworthy anymore. And so we've moved into a society where we've said, like, I'm just going to be my own truth, right? Like, I will dictate what is truthful and I will be truth. Um, but if I'm honest, even myself, I'm not a good source of truth, right? If I base truth on myself, my own truth, it's not consistent, right? Like, uh, it is based on how I feel or what I've read or who I've been listening to, my own piece together truth, I'm not always trustworthy. So we've been in a series called I Am, um, the statements that Jesus makes about himself of who he is. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. So turn with me to John 13. We're gonna look at this passage from 13 to 14, and it's a slightly longer passage, so stick with me. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you? Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak, say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Okay, so Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this, the context of this is he's at his last supper. He is about to be betrayed and handed to um, the Pharisees and the Jews who are about to hang him on the cross the following day. He has just lowered himself to wash his disciples' feet. And now this is what he's concluding, right? He is preparing his disciples that he is about to leave. These disciples have followed Jesus and their lives have been rocked, right? They've heard revelatory teaching on scripture that they have never heard before. They have seen miracles of all sorts and transformation of old lives made new. Right? Jesus has set out a new life for them that doesn't revolve around this rote system of religion or the building of your personal empire to get richer or more comfortable or light. His way 
of life is leading him to the cross because people don't like a boat rocker and they don't like being told that they are wrong when they have been held as models of righteousness. They don't like to be told that God's kingdom includes and in fact adores those who are most vulnerable that they have ignored and cast aside. Jesus' ministry and way of life has been steeped in love rather than rules. And he is unconcerned that he is not saying the most popular message. And because of that, he is gonna end up on the cross. But the disciples have been following Jesus, right? They have had the privilege of having Jesus tangibly and physically in front of them. And they have been going to places because Jesus is going there and they're doing things because Jesus is doing them. And it's not because they have wanted to or because they have led the way, but because Jesus has been there and they have merely followed him. And now he says, where I am going, you can't follow me. And for the first time in their new faith in God, they're freaking out because they're like, this is how I've known how to follow you and to um, have this faith in God and, and be a Christian is that we've just literally been going wherever you're going. So why are you leaving? Right? Like what is going to happen to us? And in one way, when we're looking at this passage, the question of where is he going? What is he talking about? Like, what is this way? Right. Um, He's talking about the way to the cross, right? Like he's saying, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to go, but you will be able to later. He's talking about the way to the cross, the act of sacrifice and suffering that makes it possible for us to access God. Saying, you guys can't come with me to that. But guess what, Peter? You will be able to follow later. And we know that most of the disciples become martyred at the end and Peter gets crucified on the cross upside down later on. But as we continue looking in John 14, we see that it's he's talking about the father's house and how the father's house has many rooms and that Jesus is going to prepare the way and come back and show us the way to the father's house, right? That he's talking about God's kingdom in heaven. So that way is a path to heaven and eternity with the father. And so he's saying, you will know the way because I'm going to lead you there, right? I am going to lead you to heaven and I am going to be the way that um, I'm going to create the way for you to get there. Now, we're, we're reading the book of John, and I know that, you know, in, in the big picture of reading the Bible, we, we kind of just sometimes read it like a book, right? But each author has their own style and their own personality that they put into it. Luke is a historian, and so he really sticks to the details to tell you the history of what exactly is happening. But John, he's an artist and a poet, and so when he writes something, he is going to be, he wants to capture the reality of what is happening. So he's going to tell you the present picture of what is going on. He's going to say, this is what we talked about and here's what we ate, right? But he's also going to be painting a bigger picture, a bigger arc of a story that um, might not be as obvious, but he's going to interweave it through the present picture with a bigger picture. So here's what, um, here's what that looks like in this passage. So on one hand, he's saying the way is to heaven, right? Like that's when, when Jesus says that he is away, he's saying like, oh, um, it's, it's to heaven, right? But interspersed in this whole passage is this new commandment that Jesus gives. He says, love one another. It's a new commandment I'm going to give to you. And it kind of synthesizes everything that Jesus has been doing in his ministry, 
right? It synthesizes all of what Jesus is about, right? Is like loving one another. He has just washed his disciples' feet and he's done all these things. He's about to go on the cross and he's saying, love one another like I have loved you. And so I believe that what John is trying to say is that, yes, the way of Jesus is to heaven, but also the way of Jesus is loving one another. Now, um, I think that sometimes we want these things like the way, the truth, and the life. These are big words, and we don't want them to be concepts, right? Like we want them to be solid. We want these things to be solid, like a rock that doesn't move and is that or is static, right? Like we are like these are so, these are foundational things that we want to build things off of, and so we want them to be like a rock. And sometimes we want to throw truth like a rock to people who don't agree with us. Bam, here are some facts, truth that you need to know to see that you are wrong, right? Or we want to say like, God, I want to know the way. So show me the way. And I want it to be the solid concrete path that will ensure that I am doing the right thing, that it is going to guarantee that I will not fail because it is solid. There is one way and it is this way. And we don't care about the circumstances or, you know, whatever is happening right now. We don't care about who it is. This is the way right? We want these things to be solid and unmovable. But when Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life, and he personifies it in himself, um, it is not static. It is consistent, but when it is in a person, it moves and it's personal and it's so much more than that, just this one box that we can put truth and life or the way in. And honestly, that makes some of us very uncomfortable, so he says, okay, well, if that's uncomfortable to you, here, love one another. If you aren't comfortable with Jesus saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then chew on this, love one another. Is that concrete enough for you? Now, what does that mean, love one another? Is it forgiving someone and going back again and again to serving them and forgiving them? Is it speaking the truth and having them pay consequences for their actions? Is that loving one another? Is serving and tirelessly pouring yourself out, loving one another? Is taking care of yourself and resting, loving one another? Okay, so Jesus, please come back and show us the way because that's not concrete either. And yet he has, he has shown us the way. He showed that sometimes you stay and you pour out and you feed 5,000 even though you were supposed to go to a silent retreat with your disciples. And sometimes it means that you pull away and you agonize in prayer alone over what God has called you to do. Sometimes loving one another, it means that you go far from your comfort zone and your cultural background to speak love and acceptance to the outcast. And it means in his ministry of how he loved one another, that he stayed in his local temple and he challenged and um, he challenged the leaders in their understanding of God and their leadership and told them that they worshiped the wrong God. Yeah, all those things is Jesus' way, right? And we see that when it's personified in a person, it is much more fluid when the way is a person. Now, um, we see this interaction between Philip and Jesus, and they're talking a lot about the father, right? So if, you know, as you're looking at it, you're like, why is the father mentioned so much in this passage, right? Why is Philip focusing on that? Now, the Jewish understanding of heaven is that they get to be with God, the Father, right? So when Jesus is saying, in my Father's house is a lot of rooms, the Jewish people are like, yeah, we, we understand that, we believe that, right? But Jesus is saying, 
You can only come to the Father through me. And these are the promises I'm going to make to you. I'm going to prepare the place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to show you the way. And Philip, even though he's been following Jesus for three years, he's like, really? Like, are you sure? Are you trustworthy? Can I trust you and the promises that you are making, that you are the only way, and that you are going to come back and show us how to make it to Father's heaven, I mean, to make it to heaven? He's, at, he's concerned about Jesus' authority at this point to make these statements, right? And what Jesus says is, my trustworthiness is based on the Father, right? Like, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And I'm not speaking on my own authority. Like, I'm not going to just say, like, trust me. But the Father is saying, you can trust him. And you can see that by the works that he has done, Right? So Philip can look at all of the things that Jesus has done instead of just what he's saying right now on whether or not the source is trustworthy. So I've kind of uh, said something about Jesus being the only way, right? It's hard to not ask that question when we are at this passage. When Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life, we have to ask, is Jesus the only way. And also coinciding with that is, are all religions the same? Right? You know, there's this understanding in mainstream society that, hey, as long as you're a good person, and you are on a path, all paths kind of lead to God. Right? Um, And I, you know, like, when I first think about like, are all religions the same? Don't you just wish they were? right? Because it would make things so much simpler. It would kind of deal, it would just kind of push away the hostility and the violence and the conflict that is happening in our world. But all religions are not the same. To say that every religion and every philosophy, every belief system is the same, is really to dishonor the significance and value and intelligence of human beings, right? We don't all choose the same thing. We never know what people are going to choose, right? And it is important to be able to understand each religion for what it is and who they believe God to be and the God that they want to follow and worship and give honor to that and their decision. A religion is either legalistic or fatalistic. They believe that God is either aloof or impersonal. Those who believe that God is aloof come to the conclusion that people need to strive to live up to his standards so that he might accept them right? Just do your best to be a good person to make it to heaven. And those who believe that God is impersonal say that you have no control over your destiny. So you might as well do whatever you want because it's not going to matter. God is going to do whatever he wants. So we might as well, we're left to our own devices. So we just do whatever we want. And yet the message of Jesus is different than that. He did not wait on his throne for us to get our lives together and be the good people we should be. He is not separating himself and saying like, I'm going to do whatever and you guys are left to your own devices. I don't care. Right. He knew that we needed a rescuer, someone to step into the darkness with us and guide us out and be the way. Jesus became that tangible love and grace to us that we couldn't fully see or understand from God in heaven. And all we need to do was accept his love and ask for help. If we were ever tempted to say that God is impersonal or aloof, we just have to point to Jesus and say that he accepted us as we were, and he gave us our freedom to choose our destiny and who we wanted to be. 
I want people to choose into Jesus or out of Jesus with their eyes wide open, knowing exactly the message of Jesus, who he says he is, what it looks like to follow him, right? There is a religion of Christianity, which is not about love. It's about facts and information, the doctrines and the truth. And the kingdom of God is so much more than that. It does involve that, but it is steeped in love and grace. And it is a kingdom about freedom and healing and light. So what does it mean that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for us, right? Like today, what does that mean for our daily lives? What does it mean for the way that we process truth and info or dictates our actions and our words? So as I was reflecting about this, I realized that I have a confession to make um, about one of my greatest character flaws. Um, it is that I love to be right, which in turn makes me very self-righteous. Um, I like my own way and I think that it is the only way. And I think that what I think is the truth. And if people don't believe that, then they're wrong and kind of stupid. Um, and I hate that it makes me sometimes unteachable and stubborn and judgy and unkind. So let me give an example of this about something that happened a while ago. Um, Birch, my husband, and I were um, uh, talking, hanging out on the phone a lot. Um, and we had, uh, we were just getting to know each other and we were long distance. So we just talked a lot on the phone. And um, it was clear that we were both interested kind of in one another and feeling feeling it out. And um, at one point he came down to visit and we had our DTR, like defining the relationship conversation where he shared that he liked me and I had mutual um, feelings. And so like, we like reveled in that awesomeness for a while, you know, like when you know, like, oh my gosh, like we like each other. And usually in the past at that point, that's when we would decide to date because what else do you need? Like we have mutual interest in one another. Let's date. Like that's the next step. But because of a number of unwise decisions that we've both made in dating in the past where we've just kind of based it off of our feelings and whatever, and we didn't, um, we just didn't make very wise choices about um, dating. We decided that we were gonna take a month to discern and figure out whether or not we should date each other and that we would invite our community who knew us to pray with us and speak into that and help us figure out whether or not we should date which I know for some of us is like, that's super intense, but you know, that was just, we just wanted to be wise. We wanted to do it Jesus way, you know? Um, and during that time when he had told me that he liked me, he also just um, divulged in some dating mistakes and um, brokenness in his past. And so um, at first I just kind of like, was like, that's fine, you know, but I had a month to kind of mull it over and think about it. And the more I thought about it and um, just thought like, do I want to date somebody with like those mistakes and with that past? I was like, I don't know, you know, like I really don't know if um, that's someone that I want to tie myself with, with this marred creature, um, which by the way, if you know Birch and, and know him, he's like an awesome person. He's like, such a good guy and he um he doesn't divulge it because he's like oh yeah i'm super messy right but it's because he he's the kind of person that's like i want you to see like what you see is what you get like that is 
literally the phrase that I think of whenever I think of him, you know, like he's not a charmer, which I mean that in like the best compliment ever, like, because he's like not going to spin something of himself that he's not. He's just like, this is who I am, you know, like, and take it or leave it, you know? Um, and I was about to leave it. So I prayed and I was like trying to discern like whether or not I should date this guy that I really, really like, but I was like, I just don't know. Like he's made some bad mistakes in his past and I just don't know, you know? So I was praying. And as I shared last time, as I was speaking, um, that, you know, when we're trying to figure something out is really important for us to make space to hear what God might have to say if he wants to say something. And so I did that. And I saw this picture um, that Birch and I were five-year-olds standing in front of us in front of a flight of stairs that led up to the throne room of God, right? And God is sitting on that throne and we both so desperately want to go up there, right? And so we're both standing there at the stairs and we both start walking up and Birch is dirty. Like he's, his hair is kind of messed up. He's got some like dirt on his face. He's got dirty hands. He looks like he's been rolling in mud, like pig pin in from, you know, Charlie Brown. And I am pristine. Like I am steamed. My hair's like perfect tied back, you know, like I'm just, you know, like I, I am basically my five-year-old self, you know, um, like I didn't like to get dirty in any way. And, and I was looking at him as we're walking up the stairs and I was trying to keep to my side as much as possible as if he was going to flick dirt on me, you know? And I was like, Oh, just look, we're both going up there, but we don't need to like interact, you know? So we both get up to the throne room to Jesus um, or to God on the throne. And I, immediately tried to explain that I'm not with him, <laughs> that we came on our own. I'm not connected to him, that his dirt is his own problem. But I come before God just because I love him and I want to worship him. And, and clearly Birch is wanting the same thing that I was like, look, you know, like I, he's dirty, you know, and God said, Vicky, open your hands. And I open my hands, which I've been kind of holding like this the whole time. And they're filthy. They're so dirty. And I'm like appalled and embarrassed and extremely shocked by what was on my hands. Um, and Jesus said, there's no need to be ashamed of Birch. You guys are both dirty. <laughs> and it was clear at that point that like, I really thought that I was really clean and that Birch wasn't, and I didn't need to have anything to do with him. And yet Birch standing there kind of, um, humbled by his dirtiness and wanting to be with God on the throne, he actually understood more about who God was than I did. And at that point, I decided, yeah, I should date him because he has a lot of things to teach me about God. And obviously, I am a super self-righteous person that doesn't deserve him, you know. And so we ended up getting married and we get to celebrate 15 years of marriage in December. But, you know, I would love to say that, like, I have since learned my lesson and not self-righteous, you know, like, because obviously I'm a totally dirty person. But even in my relationship with Birch, even in my relationships with other people, it sneaks in, you know? It sneaks in of like my longing to be right and others need to be wrong. But whenever I get too uppity on my high horse, frustrated with everyone, I remember that picture of my dirty hands in front of God, that we're all dirty before God, messed up. And as much as I would like a hierarchy of sinfulness, there is none. You are sinful or you're sinless. 
right? You are in need of grace from God, or you don't need grace and forgiveness because you are perfect. During this election season, it has taken a lot for me to rein in that self-righteousness in conversations with family and friends or whatever that, you know, obviously I know who the right candidate is, who we, what, what is the right way to vote? What are the right things to do? You know, like which side should, is the right way. And it's been hard having those conversations and not be self-righteous. And I think that it is possible to like really trust that this is Jesus way and this is the way to vote. But the way that I was going about it and the thing that was in my heart a lot of times was not always rooted in love. It was rooted in self-righteousness and being like, and at the end of this conversation, I want you to know that I am right. (laughs) You know, like instead of at the end of this conversation, I want you to feel loved and heard. And I think that there is a difference between the two. And even as we have reached the end of that season and we're embarking in on a new season with a new president-elect, I think we all have a version of this, right? The worst part for me is that when I am self-righteous, it makes other people feel unheard and stupid. And it isolates me in my ivory tower. It's not the way of love. And listen, I don't share this because I am proud of this character flaw. And I certainly don't share it so that you can feel scared to be yourself around me and be like, look, she's going to judge me. You know, Um, if anything, my hope is that you can hear the worst of me and that there is space for that and that you can have space to share the worst of you. And we can stand together in our mess and our dirtiness. And we're all just trying to follow Jesus way and truth as we deal with the brokenness in our hearts, you know, and we're trying to do it better. So I think what it means for us to, why it is important that we look at why Jesus is the way and the truth and the life is that, you know, he wants to guide us. He wants to have a say in what it is that is our truth and our life and our way. And we can use it as our filter for our everyday, not just for the big decisions, not just for the people that we date or what, what job we're going to work, but just for our everyday, right? Like, and we get to ask him, like, Jesus, what is your way here, right? It is not blue or red. It's not, you know, like such this clear, concrete way, but we get to ask him, like, where are you moving? What are you doing and where are you producing life? And we get to do that, not just by looking in scriptures where he has already shown a template of how he loves and what is his way, but we get to listen to him and we get to hear and have him show us pictures or say words to us that um, will show us his way, right? And sometimes he will surprise us and he will tell us to, you know, that he is moving in this way or doing this thing that we have never imagined that he is doing or working in. And sometimes he will tell us exactly what we thought he would. And that's why we didn't want to ask him because we didn't want to do it, you know, but either way, we get to um, have him still walk before us and lead us and say, I am the way and the truth and the life. And you get to, um, be in peace knowing that I am still leading you and that I am still showing you the way. So, um, yeah. So let me just go ahead and pray for us. I think that this is good news, but I also think that it is a challenge and invitation for us to lean in so that Jesus might speak to us. God, we thank you so much that you on your throne is not, you're not impersonal or aloof. 
that you are so fully invested in us as your children and that you are not surprised or shocked by our dirtiness, that what it means to follow you means that we need to be forgiven always and we need to accept your grace, that we are never gonna get to the place where we don't need it anymore. And that is good news for us. And God, as we choose into you, will we choose into the grace? Will we be people who confess our brokenness and our character flaws and try again? And we be people who look to the scriptures to see what your way is. What does it look like to love one another? And we make space to hear you in all the everyday conversations and things that we do with our kids and our families and, and conversations that might be hard, God, would you just check our hearts so that we may be people of love that love one another? Yeah, God, we, we pray that even in this new season, as we move forward, that you would help us be people who bring life and truth in your way, not our way, not our truth and not our life. We pray that we would be beacons of that for our communities and for our nation. We pray this in your name. Amen.